0: Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As Associate Pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Proverbs chapter 11 tonight. Proverbs chapter 11. If you join me there, I'd appreciate it. Proverbs chapter 11. And uh, we had a devotion a few weeks ago, and uh, I won't call out the person's name to embarrass her, but it was a very good devotion about balance, and it got my mind thinking, my mind talking about this. So I've been chewing on it for a couple of weeks, and I, and I knew my term was to preach this week, so I thought, I'm gonna preach on that. And I agree with everything that she said in the devotion. This is nothing uh, about what she said or didn't say. I agree with what she said, but I'm gonna talk about. Bible, balance from Scripture to see. And I think it will be helpful to you. But let me give you a couple funnies here and we'll jump into the lesson. And uh, there were three elderly friends playing a, a game one day in one of the living rooms. And they were discussing the travails of getting older. One said, sometimes I catch myself with a jar of mayonnaise in front of the refrigerator. And I can't remember whether I'm going to put it away or whether I'm going to make a sandwich. <laughs> the other one says, I agree. I often catch myself on the stairwell landing, unsure whether I'm going up or going down. And the other one said, well, I'm, I don't have the problem you all have. I, I, I thank the Lord. I, I know I just became widowed recently, but I don't have that problem. And uh, knock on wood, I don't have that problem. Uh, hang on, I'll get the door for you. Hang on. Uh, anyhow. A husband had passed away, and during the funeral service, family relatives were there and friends, they call it here the wake, and the pallbearers were carrying the body out of the funeral home and accidentally bumped against the exit door. And lo and behold, the man came back to life. He lived for a few more years, and he passed away again. So following the prayers and the service and the mortuary, the wife went to the pallbearers and said, be very, very careful you don't bump them this time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's stand on our feet this this evening and read a few verses here. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, and this is the verse for tonight. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but the transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. When the wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of the unjust man perisheth. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in his stead. Hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall, he, uh, the, just, shall the just be delivered. When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth, and when the wicked perish, there is shouting. But the blessing of the upright Upright, this, sorry, but the, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor. You know, it's good for you to be wise because you help your fellow man. It's good for you to learn things and have wisdom and discernment when you make decisions and what you do in life, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. A tailbearer, tailbearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth. The matter. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God you've given to us. And we thank you for this proverb here by Solomon, who many consider to be the wisest man ever. And Lord, we thank you for his wisdom and his insight of the Christian life. And tonight, as I try to help us all to live a life that's not an abomination to you, may you bless my words and give us all a listening heart and listening ears. In the name I pray, Amen. Thank you, you may be seated. uh, I'm just going to admit some things to you, some of my sins tonight to get started, and we'll get into this lesson here. I've not always been an observer to see what's going on around me, what's going on in life. I've not always been the one to listen and verify facts before I speak. I'm being very general with these statements tonight. I've not always been the one to keep my thoughts and the knowledge that I think I have to myself when I think I'm right. Right? You're getting me now, aren't you? I've never used whatever education I do have to show that I have some type of edge or authority over somebody else. And I believe influence or authority, especially in the realm that that we live in, uh, in a church world is something that should not be expected but something that should be earned and I believe you, 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 deserve, you earn respect by your work you put forth That's right. That's right. I've said all that to say this I've learned wisdom is seeing what's going on with people and what's going on around me gather the truth and then when I speak I speak wisely not foolishly there is no doubt for, for decades what's going on in our country and in our world and our government because sin is no longer uh, is no longer talked about as being bad. It's talked about being okay. In fact, we're legalizing it now, so it's okay. Why? Because that is the, the priority of man and where we're headed. It's not, I'm not surprised when we see something foolish being out on the news or some leader say something and say, where did he come from? I'm not surprised anymore because that's where we're headed And what's going on? But the wise man said to me and to you, he said, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. That that, uh, word abomination seems to be a little harsh to me, a little bit out of place to me when you see it there, because he's talking to me. And he's saying that if I have a false balance in my life, and I am referring to the spiritual side of things tonight, and I'll give you some key points there before we finish tonight about that, that that God says that the Bible says that's a stink or a stench to God's nose about my life. The word is used, abomination is used 69 times in the Bible. I read through all of them yesterday just to make sure I didn't pull anything and and, and misspeak tonight about anything I want to say about this. And I read through all the verses to make sure I was right about this. But in the Old Testament, it's talking about unlawful people, talking about people uh, uh, who are stinked or lonesome. They're indignant in their life and God saying, hey, your false balance stinked in my nose. The New Testament talks about just a few times, four times it's used there about unlawful people, deceived about God. They they're abhorrent, if you would. They they're disgusted uh, to God, and uh, it's used in, a, in basically the abomination of desolation. speaking of the end times. There it talks about in the New T- in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark and Luke, I believe, and uh, it's used uh, to refer to people. But here's what it talks about. It goes all the way back to Genesis where Joseph and his brothers were going to have their meal together, the first time it's mentioned, and his brothers had to eat separately from him because he was practicing being an Egyptian, and they were Hebrews. They couldn't sit at the same table. So it goes back to, to this interaction with people, with things, and with God. But there's things that the Hebrews wouldn't do because they would be an abomination as they're going to leave Israel, uh, leave—I'm uh, sorry, Egypt. Uh, there were things that they were very, very clear they weren't going to do because they didn't want to be an abomination to the Egyptians for the gods they worshipped when they were going to go offer the sacrifice. So it kind of deals with that, that uh, uh, tone in life. And I believe, how does that apply to me? Well, I believe today that I blame all my problems in life on something else. I blame it on other people. I blame it on different generations. I blame it on the government. And I would never say I blame it on my wife because we don't argue. I'll give you key points to that at the marriage marriage conference. Anyhow, I'm just teasing. In fact, I did say this after last Sunday, I talked to a man after church about this, just five minutes. He told me last night at the banquet that it was the first week he can remember that him and his wife haven't argued after talking to me last Sunday. So you need to come, pay that money. I'm just teasing. You're supposed to be laughing, but he didn't tell me that last night. He was being, it was very, he was very, trying to be funny. I'm trying to be funny. You no one's paying attention, so I'm gonna move on here. But I, but I see what we're doing in life today and even in church work and leadership of the church, we're looking at somebody and the blame, some reason to fault. We're looking at other things and the Bible says that the false balance is this thinking in God's nose from me. From me. We look at the awfulness of sin. We love, we love when we get up here and preachers preach about uh, that sin's an abomination to God. Right? It stinks in God's nostrils. You're going to find that very few times mentioned in Scripture. But what is mentioned in Scripture about abomination is the fact that what I may do may be a, may something that stinks to somebody else, or what they do may be something that stinks to me. But we, have, we love that when we can get on that sin and we can, bless well, that's an abomination to God. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, I'm looking at Christians tonight that I want to help us see and understand something. Because what I've been fearful about for many, many years is watching the, the, down, the, the decline of God's people and, and where we're headed, and it scares me. Because we're unwilling to identify the sins that we deal with. Oh, we blame everybody else. And I'll get to those a little later on uh, at the end of the, the sermon tonight. And the, the, I'm not going to be on your toes. I'm not going to make anybody, well, I may have made you mad already about the Super Bowl, but whatever. But anyhow, uh, but, but let's understand these Proverbs series. I read so many verses on purpose because they're basically a verse, there's two clauses. And in these clauses, uh, they're generally related to each other. And that's what is termed in the Hebrew poetry world as a parallel, parallel, parallelism. And i got to take time to get that out right. And according to Hebrew poetry, it's attained by repeating or a, a, a contrasting thought to help you learn something. I was learned in college, repetition is the key of learning. And what Proverbs is doing is it kind of contrasts the truth or it repeats the truth so we may learn something. Proverbs, of course, Proverbs is given to us to give us wisdom and to teach us the knowledge of God. The author of Proverbs, Solomon, uh, a young man had a consuming passion for knowledge and wisdom. Uh, In 1 Kings, it's talked about that his intellectual attainments were the wonder of his day. Uh, Leaders would come from the world to see him and talk to him and get his uh, advice and to see what all he had done. But it is also said that he could teach on almost any subject. He could teach on botany and zoology and science and the political world and rulership and business and poetry and morality and preaching. And this book teaches us the virtues that we see illustrated throughout the whole Bible. But I want to just focus on that one little verse tonight. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. It doesn't say there the sin of homosexuality in this passage. doesn't say the sin of murder. doesn't say the sin of another God before your God. It says a false balance is something that stinks in the nostrils of our God. You can't get any clearer than what it says, right? That's what it says. I don't like all that, but that's what it says. This is from an expert of life. Solomon not only gave us wisdom, he experienced what happens when you don't practice the wisdom that you have. He paid a price for that. The word balance here is the key of this verse, and it teaches us that, that the word uh, uh, means, and, and I think to illustration the sake tonight, I'm going to use a pair of scales and kind of help us balance some things, and, and again, I'll, I'll re- relate to this at the end of the message, but here we see an unbalanced area of our life. I'm not going to talk about time tonight. I'm not going to talk about your family. I'm not going to talk about ministry. I'm not going to talk about those things tonight, what you ought to do and not do. Uh, I think that, that all of our lives should be focused on Jesus Christ first, and all those things work out. So I'm not going to wor- worry about those tonight. That's not where I'm headed with this tonight. Uh, I don't know what your balance in your life needs to be. But I know a God who knows what your balance of your life needs to be, and you need to work it out with him, not with me. So I'm not going to go down that road tonight, but I want you to see here some unbalanced areas of life that they're an abomination to God, they're a disgust to God, they're, they're abhorrence, if you would, and even to the point that maybe we're even worshiping an idol before God with these things. I we to look at some scales for illustration purposes tonight for the message, and uh, hopefully we'll get through this uh, in my normal, a lot of 40 minutes, and we can go home. But the first scale I want you to see tonight is the righteousness versus wickedness or we could say the physical versus the physical if you go back and read chapter 10 and 11 of proverbs you would see the contrast between righteousness and wickedness and i'm not going to spend time on that this evening but we understand that on one side of the scale you would have the righteous side it could be morality Uh, it could be uh, uh, being good to your neighbor it could be uh, living a clean life it could be honest uh, caring, loving, uh, helpful to others, uh, but not necessarily saved. A f- physically lost person who's a good, decent, upright person to all those around him. And there are those people, aren't there? But it can also can easily include those who are saved in God's eyes. There is only one way, of course, to be truly righteous, and that's being under the blood of Jesus Christ. And we all should be grateful that on these scales of life that God steps on the scales with us and balances out our account that we may have salvation we can easily uh, agree with that this evening and uh, uh, the physical flesh is battling uh, what's going on in the physical side of things and that's one skill a second skill is this and I'm hurrying through to get to the last four things I want to talk about but what the word balance implies is a dual set of balances So not only would you have the physical versus the physical, but you would also have the physical side versus the spiritual side, which is the world you and I live in today. We have our physical body, our physical life that versus now the spiritual life that we now live. The the world versus the spiritual, if you would, or our new nature versus the old nature. You with me? Colossians 3, 9 is one of my favorite texts on this, this topic. As we look at this, uh, I'm going to read a few verses. I think we may have someone on the screen or not. I'm not sure if I gave them to him or not. But Colossians 3, 9 says this. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man with which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. I want you to understand something this evening, and I, and I have a sermon on this uh, somewhere along the line, somewhere in my, in my archives. But I have a sermon that it says there in Colossians that we are to put on and to put off. And the problem that we have in the Christian life today is we're waiting for God to put on and to take off, and that's not what we're asked to do. We, as born again believers in Jesus Christ, we are asked to put off and to put on. When I go home tonight after church, finally get, we finally get that long hour trip when we get home. <laughs> not that long, but we get home tonight, and I'll get there and I got to change clothes, and I have to, a couple of things I have to do because the garbage comes tonight at midnight, so I got to get the garbage out tonight. I'm going to go to my closet, and I'm not going to say, clothes put off. And my suit jacket and my pants and my shirt and my tie are all going to go. They're supposed to go in their closet, their own, their own place, right? Did it ever happen to you? If it's happened to you, I want to know what your trick is. <laughs> and then I can't say to my dresser where, where my, uh, uh, I guess, my sweats and my T-shirts, right, I want to wear for the evening. Uh, sweats, come on. I have to physically reach in the drawer and grab them and put them on. I have to physically take this suit jacket off, take my tie off, put it on the hanger, hang it back up in the proper place. So I wear it next time. The next time it's an order for me to wear it because I have in order. So don't don't ask me about that. We'll talk about that later. But uh, but I put it where it needs to be at. I have to do that. You with me? And Colossians says that I am to put off the old man and to put on the new man. That means I have to be involved in that transaction. See, what we think today in the Christian life, I get saved, and all of a sudden my life just changes like that automatically because God waves a wand and there I am, super Christian. And that's not the way the Christian life works. Because I still have a free will as a Christian to choose to live how I want to live. That's why it talks about that. Uh, The new man versus the old man. And, and whether, uh, whether there is uh, neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but all in Christ and all in all, put on therefore, what's he saying, put on? Put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bows of mercy, kindness, humbleness, of uh, 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 mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ for, uh, forgave you, so also do ye. I am to put those things on in my life. You say, well, you know what? It's easy pre- it is easy preaching. It's hard living. I'm not going to try to abbreviate this story. A num- number of years ago back in I believe it was 1992, uh, my grandmother was having surgery. Uh, we, I was down in North Charleston, South Carolina, working for a church down there. And my grandmother was having heart surgery the very week we were taking our kids to camp. Unfortunately, our kids went to camp in Clarksburg, West Virginia. Uh, so I was able to drive the bus up and I had someone drive my car and follow me up there, and I was able to go up to uh, Youngstown, Ohio to be there with my grandma. Uh, she was having a surgery and spent some time there. I went to this church up there. It just wasn't close to our home church, so I went there for church on Sunday, knew about it, knew about the church and the pastor. And while I was there that night, Wednesday night in church, this mom and dad came to me. And they said, do you, you say you live down there in North Charleston, you know, Charleston, South Carolina? I said, yes, yeah, that's where I live at. Actually, I live in Goose Creek, but that's where I live at. He said, we have a son and daughter-in-law down there that we're so burdened for. And would you mind going down and seeing them for us? And he said, my son and daughter-in-law, you would not believe. You would think they were the assistant pastor at our church when they were here. They did everything. They worked in the children's ministries, and they worked in that. They had a small bus ministry. They did everything, and and we don't know what happened. We don't know what went on there, and uh, would you would you pray about it and go visit them? Here's their address, and uh, would you go see them? And I said, well, I'll, 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 I'll give it some thought, and I'll pray about it, and we'll see. Well, I spent one night to go visit them. They were about 45 minutes away. They are kind of southern end of where I was at, but I went down to visit them, and I got to the door, and as always, nobody's home. I was just ready to get in my car and leave, and the couple pulled up with four of the cutest little blonde-haired kids you ever saw in your life. They all got out of the car, and they'd been the beach for the day. So I said, phew, at least I didn't drive all this way for nothing. So I introduced myself, told them how I were, uh, who I was, and and I just wanted to spend a few moments talking to them. They felt like they wanted to talk to me, whatever. And I said, to be honest about it, your mom and dad asked me if I would come visit you and check up on you and see how you're doing. And I saw this shameful look on their faces. You can read people pretty well. And we were, I was able to go in and I'll make it I'll make short as I can. I'll go in and sit down with them in the living room talk with them. And they got the kids all situated and we had a nice long talk. And I'll make a long story short, I could spend a lot of time on this. But they, here's what they said to me, the husband said to me, he, she, they said, Brother Barry, we feel like our pastor committed murder and he's getting away with it. I, and I can't tell you all the details why they think that and all this stuff. And there's a long story, and I, I know there's two sides of the story and, and whatever. And, and they say, We cannot forgive him over this, and we cannot get over this. And I spent, I don't know how long, long there the next, I don't know how long I was there trying to teach them, You need to forgive that situation as Jesus Christ has forgiven you. I wish I could give you a good end to that story, but there's not a good end to that story. I'd be scared to death, though, as one of God's children to raise my children being in that state of unforgiveness with young children being raised in my home. I don't know what happened to them. But listen, folks, we got to forgive people. Right. Nobody ever put you on the cross and crucified you. Right. You may feel like you've been crucified, but you've never been put on the cross and going through the shame that Jesus Christ went through, if He forget can't forgive us, we ought to forgive others. Amen, amen. I'm never going to say forget because we're all elephants and we don't forget. So it's a continual operation of forgiving and forgiving. What's he going? Let's go on. What's he say? And above all these things, put on. Now I am to, I am to uh, put on uh, loving, caring. But then he goes on and says in verse 14 of Colossians, and above all things, put on charity. You are to put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to, to which also you are called into one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Listen, I am to put these things. One of the things of church is we get to put some of these things on in church. the Singing and time together, praising God and the fellowship. Listen, we, we need to realize we need to put these things on. I don't mean be fake. I don't mean to be phony, but I have a spirit of God living inside of me that convicts me, that helps me, and it helps me to put these things on and take the things off I shouldn't be messing with. And the problem is today we've become so callous to that whispering voice in our heart that we no longer listen to him. We've become callous to the whisper of God, and I believe he whispers to us. He's not in the wind. He's not in the fire. He's not in the storm. He's that still small voice inside of us. But I believe this is also good for the physical side. I believe it's good to work. It's good to sleep, some of us. It's good to play. It's good to eat. It's good to have social activities. It's good to have physical appetites to help us balance our skill. They're all part of it. Number three is this. There's a third set of skills I want to get to, and it's spiritual versus the spiritual. Don't leave me. I'm getting to the part where I think it will be very helpful tonight. In our spiritual life, we overemphasize we have this problem. we overemphasize weight. I don't know if you realize this, but usually we have one good talent that we can do. Some have two and some have five. But usually everyone has at least one good thing, and our problem is in a Christian life is we concentrate on that one thing, and we become unbalanced. I never would believe 40 years ago that I would be preaching, pastoring, teaching the Word of God, preaching the Word of God, trying to help people in their Christian life. I wasn't that guy. But I had a talent, and I was willing to try something else, and here I is. Obviously, it's not my English, and it's not my speech. I grew up with my mom calling me Mumbles. She wasn't very helping me out very much, by the way, saying that to me. It's bad enough when the school says that to you, but when your mom says that to you, you really got problems. Hey, mumbles. I've had trouble with getting some things said, and, and I've worked on it, and, I, and I've worked on trying to pronounce some words properly. Some words I never will pronounce. Like please and thank you and stuff like that. But anyhow. Yeah. But, but God delights in us being spiritually balanced, and I'll get to those keys in a second here. And, uh, but uh, God delights in us being that way just means complete or whole, and the weight means to build or, or a stone. And the Bible is saying we need to completely build ourselves on scales. I'm not talking about a lot of amount of time you do this and time you do this and time you do that. Uh, I'm not talking about that this evening. But I am talking about the fact that we get out of balance sometimes. Some of you old gearheads will know what I'm saying tonight. Used to be to tune your car engine. Some of you guys thought you knew what you were doing. You go messing with the distributor. Right? And you say, well, I'm going to make that a little bit leaner. Or I'm going to make it a little bit richer because I know more than the factory knows. Right, Or we get in there with the carburetor and we start messing with the jets in the carburetor. We start adjusting them. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you are right on page. The first time you listen in the last 15 minutes. <laughs> but long before computers came along, folks, we were the computers that adjusted the timing in the carburetors. None of you guys know that. Some of you still mess around with those things and I love it. But I know this. If you take that distributor and you, go too f- and you advance that timing too much, you can run so lean, you are burn a hole in your piston. Right? And I know if you retard that timing too much, you'll clog up that thing and it won't have any power whatsoever. It's got to be in the proper position. You can take and turn those screws in that carburetor all you want to. If you don't have that right mixture in there, you're going to mess up the way that thing's running, even though you think you're doing something good. And all the Bible is saying and teaching us, "Listen, I don't want you to get clogged up, because you're trying to do a little too much in this area. You should be working over in this area. I don't want you to get clogged up or, or, or uh, get too lean, you burn yourself up. Boy, we have a lot of Christians who've burned themselves up, don't we? A lot of Christians today who, who have burned at both ends for so many years and now they just sit. Listen, I understand, I'm getting older. I don't have the energy that I once had. But I don't want to be a guy sitting in the pew saying I used to. I want to be a guy when my last breath is breath. I did it, something, as long as I could. Amen. It won't be what I did 20 years ago. And hopefully it won't be what I did last week, but anyhow. But, but, but I, I, I don't want to be that guy. Well, I used to. No, that's a used I want to be somebody I did what I could as long as I could I never forget the day that our, my, I consider him my preacher if you would my, my mentor in the ministry he talks about his mama dying in her 90, year, 90 years of age in a, in a, in a home and uh, he walked in one day to visit with her and she's trying to get the file cabinet saved to the Lord on her deathbed she's trying to win the file cabinet thought it was a person standing there trying to get that person saved That's the way I I want to finish up, still trying to serve the Lord some way. I don't don't want want to go that way. What what am I saying? Let let, let me bring it down to practical for us. If all you do is study your Bible and don't teach somebody else, you will clog up. Your study of Scripture is to help somebody else along the way. Oh, I don't like that. Well, that's what it's all about. Whatever it is God may teach you is to help somebody along your way. It's like all preaching and no praying and no Bible, you're going to burn up. All ministry and no Bible and praying will clog up. All teaching and no Bible and prayer and preaching, you'll run lean and you'll burn up. We need all of that. Apply the principle at home or where you work at or at your church life. If you all work, if all home and no work or church, you're going to run lean, you're going to burn out. Uh, All work and no home or church, you'll do the same thing. All church and no home and work, the same thing will happen to you. And I'm going to say this lovingly tonight. Listen, some of you men need to quit finding reasons not to go home and go home and take care of love on your wife. Been in the ministry with a bunch of different men, and I've learned this. There's a reason why some men don't go home. And it's not the ministry. You need to have a good marriage. You need to have, you want to go home. You want to spend time with your wife and your kids or whatever, whatever it may be. But you can't overemphasize. And, and I'm, like, I'm not going to get time. I'm not going to get into what time you should do. But listen, and I'm going to say this, probably say this later on. But listen you know how I keep my love fresh for my wife? You're going to think this is funny. I have, I'm not a funny, my life has not been full of funny things happening, but I guess some few things have happened. But we're in the car, we're in my 1977 Camaro one day. and We're heading to town on our weekly date. I we got out of home by 10 o'clock because that's dad's orders. Now, I have to leave because dad has devotions with the family before they all go to bed. I never was invited to devotions, though. So I know I'm on a time crunch. But we're in my 77 Camaro. We're heading down to the big city of Boardman, Ohio. And we're heading down this hill. And she said, What are we going to do tonight? And I said, We're going to a jewelry store tonight. And she said, What are we going to do there? I said, We're going to buy a ring. So what are we going to buy a ring for? Well, because I think it's time that, that you and I get married. That was my, that was my, that was my question. Wow. What do you know at 19 years of age? <laughs> you don't know nothing. And she said, well, you know we can't get married till I turn 18, which is October 10th, 1980. I said, okay, I can wait. And that's how, we, that's, how I, that's how I proposed to her. We went to the jewelry store and brought a pre-engagement ring so we get in trouble with her dad. <laughs> Until dad said, okay, then I got the real thing, baby. You know, and that's how it went. But here's how I keep my love fresh for my wife. I go back to that day in that car when I realized that she said yes. but She didn't say yes, but she said yes. You know what I'm saying? That's how I keep the love fresh for my wife. I go back to where it started at. And that's why I married her. And that's how you keep the marriage fresh. You go back to how it started. Now, I have all the save stuff for later. Anyhow, let's go on here. A false balance, number four, will not only discuss God, but it will discuss you. And we're going to get to the main point, and I only got five minutes left, but I got more to give, but we'll go on here. A false balance will not only discuss God, but it will discuss you. You'll feel feel that pressure. You'll feel depressed. You'll feel clogged up. You'll feel lean. You'll feel burned out. And you'll blame everybody in the world on this. You'll become depressed. You'll become bitter. You'll become revengeful. You'll become loving. You'll become disrespectful. And you won't even know it's happening. Most of our problems are wrapped up in the fact that we are out of balance in whatever area uh, you need to ask God to help you to get on the scales with you and to get that thing Right? Life, listen, life is nothing, nothing, but this is probably the most important thing I've ever learned in life. Life is nothing but a series of corrections. And every correction will cause another mistake. You understand that? That's about the deepest thing you're ever gonna hear from me. (laughs) But life is a series of corrections and every correction, if you ever try to remodel a house, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Every correction will make more mistakes. When you drive a car, you are always making corrections. You'll never come to the place where you will not need to make corrections. Corrections. And then listen, you, you may become a better driver, but uh, you'll never come to the place where you don't you can just sit there and let it drive itself. It's not gonna happen. I don't care what General Motor says. <laughs> and for me sitting back and letting someone else steal the wheel, I can't see them, that's not happening. But that's me. But we'll never come into place in our lives where we will not need to be correcting something in our life. In the Bible, we find some very important areas to keep in proper contrast. I'll try to get through these quickly. I think you'll, 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 uh, these will be very helpful to you. This is what I'm going to get to. This is what we need to do in our lives, uh, uh, to, to add to our lives. Uh, uh, first one or letter A I guess I have it God wants us to have a proper balance of grace and truth you find these throughout scripture I'm just going to give you a, a four or five of these tonight but there are other places in scripture you can go to these but he wants to have a proper balance of grace and truth while we do extend grace to other people I still must stand on the truth that I know is truth and stand on it and stand up for it but I need to do it with grace when you got saved, it was a little harder for you to have the proper balance, but we are to have grace and truth. For, uh, John 1, 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And what we need to balance in our life is that we need to be graceful, but we also need to be truthful, and we need to stand for truth. Well, how today we need some people who will stand for truth not fake news. Whenever, whenever I get all the grace I want, I start to lose the truth. And when you work on truth, then you may lose the grace. This is the balance that we, this has been the problem in churches, by the way. One thought they were so adamant about their truth, they forgot to mix it with grace. And some have so much grace, they don't mix it with any truth. We need to balance those together, grace and truth. Uh, uh, when I decide I need to get some more grace, I get so sweet that I want to join the National Council of Churches. But the secret is I need to mix that with truth and stay, stay close to the line, but don't get on the line. Letter B, God wants us to have a proper balance of justice and mercy. Justice and mercy. Boy, what, boy, what a day we're fighting this, this issue today. Micah 6, 8. And he hath showed the old man what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. But we need to be people of justice. Well, I mentioned earlier in the introduction about I used to, to sparn off about what I thought I know and didn't know. What happened? I've learned that I better get the facts together before I make a statement or make a stand about something. I've learned, sometimes you may come to me and say, hey, uh, blah, 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 and I don't say anything back to you. What am I doing? I'm calculating all the facts I know. If I don't have enough facts, I'm not going to answer you until I get some more facts to make sure what I say is just. But I'm going to mix that with mercy. At the same time, realizing that I need mercy because I'm not always the smartest guy in the room, and what you say, instead of saying, that is so foolish, I'm saying, I need to mix some mercy with that and see what I'm supposed to get out of this response. That's the way I'm to That's the balance I'm talking about. That's scriptural balance tonight. And we're missing that, being just and being fair, but also mix it with mercy. It's so easy to be strong on justice and, and uh, strong on mercy that we don't have any justice. We want to stay close, again, to the line as possible, a little correction. Listen, uh, uh, in our church, uh, we, if we pray at the expense of preaching and teaching the Bible or evangelizing those around us, we'll not have balance. and the church will die, by the way. I could spend the next hour naming churches that one day were looked upon as, as one of the greatest works going on in our country, and today they're either closed, or the college or university is closed. Or barely getting by. Because they ended up uh, focusing on one part and not the whole thing. i got to go on quickly. Letter C. God wants us to have a proper balance of honor and majesty. Honor and majesty. Psalms 96 verse 6. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. God wants us to have this proper balance that we do honor people and there is a majesty about people, isn't there? We need to balance those out. There are certain type of, of prestige things that comes along with being a pastor, if you would. But as a pastor, I must live with the same rules or even more more sturgeon surgeon rules. I can't get the right word here right now. String it. I don't know. Yes, there you go. And whatever he says it. And uh, rules. Why? I'm the pastor. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. And well, I don't like it, but we do live in glass houses. I hate that. I've said this many times. I hate that. It's not fair that we have to be in the glass house. But God never said he was going to be fair to us. <laughs> but we are under the scrutiny of others. We are under, I'm sure Baptist deans people say, well, I thought you were a Pastor. After you've done something or said something, that, that, that's normal. I thought you were a pastor. Well, what does that mean? I'm still a man. I still balance things out. What we need to do with honor and majesty and think what people are why they're saying that. Uh, uh, I must expect. I can't expect others to do what I'm not willing to do. It's hard for me to uh, balance these out and show proper honor and majesty to others. Letter D. God wants us to have proper balance. Also in the same verse of strength and beauty. And I could spend a whole sermon on this. But this ought to be in a Christian's life. We ought to be strong, but we ought to be beautiful while we do it. Well, we shouldn't be ugly. We shouldn't be mean-spirited. We should be strong in what we believe, we should stand strong on what we know is right, and we know God would have us to be, but we need to also uh, see the beauty, uh, and be beauty as we portray it, as we live it. The psalmist was looking for a beautiful temple uh, of, of David, and he saw the magnificence uh, and strength of the temple there. And listen, we'll never be balanced until we awaken his likeness. But listen, we need to have beauty while we have strength. And what I see happening in churches is that we want to focus on the beauty and not the strength to stand. We don't want to stand anymore. We don't want to have the strength. It takes too much effort. And uh, there's reasons for that. I said I could spend a lot of time on that, but I'm not going to that. I think our country has lost its beauty. I don't think we're any longer the place everybody wants to come to anymore as it used to be. I mean, there's still scores who want to come here, but it used to be everybody wanted to come here. We've lost our beauty and our strength, what we're all about. We've destroyed our propriety in our lives. We've lost it. Letter C, I think is the last one, and probably, uh, probably the hardest one to deal with. God wants us to have proper balance between love and hate. Psalms 97.10, ye that love the Lord hate evil. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints and delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Listen, if you say you love the Lord, you gotta hate evil. We need to have that balance. You can't have it both ways. Well, I love it. Yeah, sure you love them, but it doesn't mean you can't hate the sin they're doing. We need to have that balance. On one side, you have the compromisers who don't hate sin or the devil, and all they talk about is love. Well, I found this out. The way I showed my kids I love them is by hating some of the actions they were performing. And they knew that. Billy Sunday used to say, you cannot love flowers unless you hate the weeds. And we need to learn this balance of, uh, of loving and hating. If you love adultery, I say you can't love your kids. Isn't it amazing today that we are a nation where someone can live like the devil and someone takes their life and all of a sudden they say, well, they're a good person. Why do we say that? Because we love them. It's understandable why we say that. But the problem is we don't hate the sin that took them. It's constant correction. I want to love like I should love, and I want to hate sin like I should hate it. And I know it's it's hard, especially when it comes to your front door. We have to be strong and stand. We have to love and hate. Uh, I have to work on my love before I know it. I'm going to love sinners and I get soft on sin. I got to work on that. And then I work on hate, and before you know it, uh, I hate sin, but I don't love anymore. I don't love the sinners anymore. We got to work on that balance. And I forgot, I lied. I got one more. And it's short and we're out of here. Letter F God wants you to have the right balance between zeal and knowledge. Zeal and knowledge. Romans 1 says, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be what? Saved, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And here's where we're at today. I think we're fighting this today. Today, we have no zeal as we're trying to acquire more knowledge. Look, I can't remember, and I'm done. I can't remember, young preacher boy, that all I wanted was God to use me as I preached his word. And I spent hours in prayer, begging God for his help to take this uh, 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 tongue-tied, mumbling guy who wanted to serve him and do something with him. And I found out it wasn't Barry's ability if the spirit of God that lived inside Barry ability, that gives Barry a zeal. With that zeal, you got to have some knowledge. Or with that knowledge, you got to have some zeal. And listen, we we got to, and I know, we're, I know we battle this today. I, I know this is going on in churches today that we have all this knowledge and no zeal. And there were churches just a few decades ago that had all zeal and no knowledge. Got it. I got it. Been there, done that. I, got, I understand it. but We need to balance these things. There's so many other things in Scripture I go and contrast between them. That's what I'm talking about tonight. And if I don't have these balances or work on these corrections in my life, Proverbs says that I'm a, an abomination to my Lord and Savior. So I'm not working on these. I don't ever achieve it Completely. Until I see him. But I'm going to work on it. Work on that balance. Those are scriptural things we should work on. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God this evening. Thank you for your instructions that you give us. God, we need to be so grateful that you didn't leave us here without a plan, without a purpose. You've not left us without some instructions of what we should be doing for you. How we should be living our Christian lives. How we should be balanced in so many areas. And I know, Lord, there's more in scripture I could have dug up and worked on tonight. But God, help us to be that Christian that doesn't live a life being an abomination to you, a, a smell in your nose, or even to those around us. As we see in Scripture, that word is, is paralleled to so many times in, in Scripture where we're a stench to other people because of what we're doing, the unbalancedness of our life. Help us to be people of balance their heads bowed and eyes closed this evening. I know it may be a little hard to grasp all the things I said tonight, but we need to work on putting on the whole armor of God, not just the parts we like. We need to work on the balance that we need to have in our Christian life, to be the Christian God would have us to be. That means we are strong and stand, but it also means we have mercy and love and meekness while we're standing strong on the word. They go together. And I know it's hard to balance those things. We, we have our, our, our opinions and our ways, but tonight as we finish the service and we sing here a song, verse or two, would you think about what's out of balance in your life? Why are you running a little lean? Why are you running a little clogged up? Maybe the problem is you got something out of whack, something out of balance and that's the spirit of God that lives inside of each of us to direct us, what do we need to work on? What can we change to be that balanced Christian that God would be pleased with? Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church events and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbccannapolis.com.